Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor and subscribe to the John Com Report wherever you get your podcast. If you're watching us on YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. It's always much appreciated. Today, I'm joined by my pal and the voice of the Washington Commanders, Bram Weinstein, as we go over some predictions and preseason expectations or pre-training camp expectations for what we think of this team entering training camp as far as how the season might play out. Do you think Carson Wentz will throw for 30 touchdown passes? Could Antonio Gibson hit 1,200 rushing yards? Is this or could this be a top 10 defense? We go over all of that and more. And we go talk about Jahan Dotson as well. Don't forget, you can follow Bram on Twitter at RealBramW. And you can read my work on ESPN.com. Coming next week before training camp, it's less than a week away, with um, ESPN.com, we'll be running a, a preview of training camp for every NFL team, including this one. I offer a bold prediction in there. I don't know how bold it is. I hate bold predictions. Because every time I put one out there, people take it as a report, and it's not. So anyway, um, but I do think it's something that will stick out. So look for that next week. Reminder, again, training camp is less than a week away. Thank goodness. Bram and I get into all that about, you know, what it's like to cover a camp, what it was like before covering a camp. So, you know, hopefully that's a fun listen for a few minutes before we get into all the pre-training camp predictions and expectations. A reminder as far as uh, the physically unable to perform list. If you remember, you guys have to be placed on that in training camp. Otherwise, they cannot be placed before training camp. Otherwise, they can't be placed on this later. So if they don't open training camp on the PUP list, they cannot open the season on the PUP list. I do expect Chase Young and Logan Thomas to open on the PUP list based on everything you've heard le- leading up to this point. It's clearly not official. But that is certainly the expectations. I'll be curious to see what Chase Ruye, what happens with him as well. So, and again, as a reminder with Chase Young, I do think that it will be mid-September right now. It will be mid-September at the earliest before he comes back. Um, that's my guess and the, in, a, in a sense, too. And with Logan Thomas, I think, they're, I think they'll know better in the middle of August whether or not he's trending toward that season opener or not. So, Let's get to my conversation with Graham Weinstein, because what you want to know about is training camp. So let's get to it. Well, Graham, it's starting up in just a few days. And I'm not, you know, I always am. I'm not sure I'm ever fully ready, but I think I am now because I'm just kind of tired of talking about what might happen. How about you? So nowadays I'm older. (laughs) Uh, it takes me, it used to take me a month to get over the season. Now it takes me two, uh, then, but at that point there's free agency in the draft and all that stuff. And so you're really still engaged. And then I start to miss it when the OTAs happen. And then when they break that and have the, like the six week thing, that's when I start like jonesing for it. So <laughs> I can't wait. Like I miss it. It's, you know, it really it really is a humongous part of my life. And yeah. so I totally miss it. And I can't wait. I heard your interview with Nikki earlier this week, and she was saying the same thing. Like, I wasn't going to miss that for the world, even in all the things that, you know, 
And I think all of us who kind of live it and breathe it a little bit, we all feel that way. Like we're, we're just, we're so in it now. Call me two weeks into camp where I go, can we get to the real games now? Because, <laughs> you know, the, it, it's the craziest part of the season is the first month of it is the grindiest part of the grind. Because yeah, yeah, it is. it's mm-hmm. awesome, you know, when you get to see everybody and they're practicing. And then that first preseason game is really cool. And then it's like a month until they play a real game. And that is when it's like a grind just waiting for that to actually happen. It is. And I think like, I love watching the practices. You can learn so much from them. Yeah. And that's so like to get an up close look at how, and I always go back to Terry McLaurin because you can, because that the when we're watching for people listening, but when we're, when we're watching practice, the receiver group is very close to where we are. So yeah. you get a really good view of them every day. So I like to always videotape the receivers. And I can go back and I, honest to God, I go back and watch them. I slow it down frame by frame because I want to see like what separates this guy from this guy. What does Terry McLaurin do that someone else doesn't do, for example? And you learn so much about them. And you can do that with other position groups too. Um, But especially, you know, I always use that as the main example because that's the one I think where it's closest to us where you get the best information out of them. And the quarterbacks too, you can see how they do things. So I just, I love that part of it. I think camp is so much easier than it used to be because we're before it was two and a practices. So you're there each practice and it, it is a grind. I mean, it was more of a grind than it is now because now it's like, it's one morning practice. They have an afternoon walkthrough. We're not there for that. Yeah. It's not that, you know, you could go back and work. It's more normal hours. I feel like than it used to be. Do you remember when we for when way back when it, you know you were gone? Sometimes you'd be working from nine to nine or eight to yeah. nine at night. You know that's what it you, used to be. Yeah, I mean, even when I first started covering them, like early late nineteen nineties, early like probably the year two thousand was probably my first camp. Um, they still had two a days. They were still in Carlisle. We were living in a dorm. They'd have a morning practice. They'd have an afternoon practice. It was like. You know, and I, I can't imagine right. what the players were, you know, felt like through all of that in the summer heat. But for me, like it was a grind to get through yeah. it. And to your point now, like one, well, they're not going away. So I'm going to go home every night and right. I will go back and do my radio show and be there in plenty of time. I won't even be in a rush. You know, they're going to be done at 11 o'clock. They'll probably do some interviews. You're like, it's actually, it's quite a breeze compared to what it used to be. But, you know, but I miss it and I'm glad we're back at it. And, right. you know, the other big changes. You know, in the offseason, they don't practice in pads anymore. So I don't really think we've seen them go full speed or what they actually look like. So that's going to be interesting the first couple well, of weeks. And too. that's the other thing that's different now. Like even when because the CBA has changed things um, for contact and all that, that you used to learn so much more about more positions. There are some positions that are really hard to get a great handle on in camp because of the because of the lack of it. I mean, it's funny now, Bram, because a guy collides with someone else in practice, like, Ooh, mm-hmm. and it's a big deal because there's a collision and it's physical, but it doesn't, yep. you don't get a lot of truly physical play in practice work because you're just not allowed. So there's, there's obviously, you know, there's some, there's, there's definite contact. It's just not like what it was. I mean, during Norv's practices, for example, were very physical Gibbs Schottenheimer Schottenheimer was doing the two a days back in the day. Yeah. And his were brutal. Because there were full pad two days, right. both sessions. So it's not like that anymore. But you still get a lot of information out of it, and you can pick up little things about how 
like how guys interact before and after practice, staying after practice. What are they working on with who, you know, there's all sorts of little things that you start to learn that I, yep. that I love that, you know, so back in the day when it was more of a grind, you kind of had to gear up for it. And I try to get in good shape before camp, but I just, I get so tired. And so there was a little bit of a head because you knew your summer ended when camp began Yeah, and you're, you feel like you're, you're not your life ended, but like, there was like for six months, it's just this period. And it's yeah. fun, but it's a grind. Yeah. Now, though, I'm so tired of the talk in the offseason myself. I'm tired of myself talking that I just want to get to let's see what it is. Yeah, I agree. I thought oh. I, you know, I work with Julie Donaldson. She said it, you know, after D'Angelo decided he didn't want to return to the booth and we were going to look for, you know, a replacement for him in the booth this year. She said, you know, and I agree with her, you know, she was like, you know, the person we need to find, obviously the fans got to take to them and they've got to be really good at this. They got to be locked in and, you know, been following the league and the team and all that stuff, but they also have to understand that you're married to it. Yeah. And you are, you know, mm -hmm. like, and starting next Wednesday, I'm more married to that than anything else in my life for six months, but you know what? I love it. You know, like it's been a great marriage for me. So I'm happy. Yeah. Anyways, people don't want to hear about that. Let's get some, I wanted to talk about some, maybe some, either preseason predictions or expectations for various players or units or whatever, just kind of how we see things entering camp. And let's start with Carson Wentz. Um, since he's that he's going to be the number one guy to watch this seat or this camp for them and how he progresses. What are your expectations? You watched a lot of him in the offseason. I spent this week watching a lot of his stuff. What are your expectations of him as we, before we see him in camp, what are your expectations um, for him this season? So I'm really interested to see how much they play him in the preseason games. Like he's extremely experienced. It's also a new team. There's also a lot of new parts. There's a prominent rookie that's going to be part of their offense. The offensive line's got a lot of new parts. Like I feel like there's a case for he should play a decent amount of maybe a couple of the three games. But I don't know if that's what's going to happen. So until Rivera tells me that, it's hard to know. Right. I'm really dying to see him in pads and full speed. And where I'm really interested in seeing him mainly in the preseason is, as, as you alluded to, that you watched him, and I did too, um, I have some pretty interesting, you know, or concerns about his ball security, uh, decision-making on slow developing plays, uh, this, he's got an incredible arm, but the idea that he's extremely accurate with it down the field, which I know the team is hoping he'll, you know, open up that offensive part for them. Um, I want to see that live. So right. I think it's really hard for me to make a prediction about him other than to say, like, I know what I remember when he was at the height of his you know, career in Philadelphia. And if he's going to revert back to that this team is going to be exponentially better than they've mm -hmm. been because they also have, in my opinion, the best collection of skill position people they've had in some time. A lot of versatility, a lot of speed, so hopefully a lot of options. But, you know, if you go off of what you saw in Indianapolis and then in Philadelphia the year before, I think you should have reservations about what you should expect. So it's hard for me to answer this question other than to say, I think he's a really big talent. I think he offers a tremendous amount of potential for them, but I do want to see, is he going to erase a number of the decisions that hurt him in games over the last couple of years? And that's probably partially on Scott Turner and the offense to construct something that he's comfortable in and gets his confidence back. Well, so 
his career high for touchdown passes is 33. His last two four years as a starter, he's gone 27 and 7. The Eagles and then the Colts, obviously. He's thrown for more than 4,000 yards once. Do you think he'll get to 30 touchdowns? I have to look up the records. I don't think any Washington quarterback's done that since Sonny. I got to look it up, but I'm pretty sure that's the case. I don't believe that any of them have gotten to 30 since Sonny. Yeah. So that would be that would be a big number for this franchise. Will he get to 30? That's a really good question. I don't know. I mean, like, I, I just don't even know how to answer it because at this juncture, having not seen him play or really practice at full speed, it's all just kind of hope and optimism that he is going to settle back into the player that he was before he started having injuries in Philadelphia. Um, by the way, nobody since Sonny had 31 and 67. Correct. Nobody. Nobody. Right. So I, 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 can't, believe now, I, but even I like can't believe I remember this, year. but yes. Uh, yeah. No one since Sonny was third. I mean, it's unbelievable that's, to think about, but, but yeah. it's true. Yeah. So, and you know, when I look at him, my thought is, first of all, he's got, he, he showed talking to Logan Paulson about this. And I kind of think that Carson Wentz is a bit of a Rorschach test and how you judge him before you watch some of these games, you're going to pick out different things. So when you see him, you definitely see some of like my question, my problem with some of the accuracy stuff was on failing to get some yak after some of these throws. Like there, you know, you might, you might be a little bit high here and this guy's got to reach back here. So he can't get into the, he can't get turned into more yards after the catch, et cetera. And that was something that jumped out. I also think that he has much better skill talent than this year than he had last year for the depth of it. And I think he no has doubt. guys, I think he has guys who play bigger. I think I like Michael Pittman, but Terry McCorn is just a lot better. And I think Jahan Dotson ultimately will be better than Michael Pittman. And beyond Pittman as a receiving core, there's nothing that I'd say, oh, I'd rather have this guy than this, you know, than anybody here. So I think that's going to help him. Um, and I do think that arm strength and you see it will help. Again, I go back to the act and it, because I saw it and there were, there are times he made some throws, but that I just like, nobody's made that throw here in years, maybe ever under duress against the Rams, Aaron yep. Donald bearing down at him, backing up 42 yard pass to Pittman on third and 14. Let him down the field, open area. Another time he hits Mo Alley Cox off a of play action, doesn't have to move his feet. He's a quick fake for the play action. And instead of moving his feet, like other guys may have to do to get more into it, he was able to just turn and whip it to Alley Cox, Mo Alley Cox because he got it there so fast. It gave um, the, his tight end a chance to he gained eight yards after the catch. If it takes a little bit longer, he's tackled right away. So that arm strength is going to help. But I also wonder about the accuracy. But with the skill talent around him, the, the chance for him getting 30, I think, is very is is higher. Yeah, I think so. And it, I'll say this, too, about what, what really impresses me about him outside of like he clearly isn't a high level athlete. Like he's not fast, but he can move. Right. right. It's a little awkward the way he runs. It's a, and he's a little loose with the ball. So that I hope that they can correct that. I hope he can kind of correct that. But he can move. He's not scared, right? To your no. point about like he'll 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 work under pressure. He doesn't just take a sack. He'll try to get out of it. Might be a fault of his at times that he maybe does a little too much of that. That's fine, you know, if you want to make that an argument. But here's where he's excellent on play action fakes. Excellent. Yeah. Um, in misdirection plays that are called at the line. 
excellent. Uh, things in the five to 15 yard range where the ball, where it's going to be placed is pretty much determined pre-snap. So it's like a three-step to excellent, like high level elite talent stuff that I think on its face makes them better immediately. Yes, absolutely. What, what ends up worrying me is ball security at times, decision-making on plays that break down, it becomes backyard football. And he's a little too Mahomes for my taste, you know, where he's taking some chances that I don't think need to be taken. And on slow developing plays, there are these moments where you're holding your breath with him. But that's recent past. That's not the future. And that's why I kind of lean back into settling into this. He's a high-level talent. He's a higher-level talent they've had in a long time here. He does open the door for a lot more options, I think, offensively for them. And considering the skill set that they have and the speed that they have, there should be some really good matchups for them week to week to week. So I, I see all of that there. My gut says, take it slow, build his confidence up, put him in positions to make quick decisions where he is excellent and hopefully have some success and build on it. Because I think he needs more than anything to me, the storyline is whether he'll say it or not, and he won't say it. I think they need to build his confidence back up to be an elite quarterback, not just a good one, because things have not gone well the last couple of years for him. And so I think his confidence to me is issue one of the season. And I'll be interested to see how he handles the preseason. And I'll be interested to see how he handles whenever the first setback is. Right. And I think that's, that's, to me, that's always the big thing is how do you respond to those setbacks? And I think that's something that has tripped him up at times in the past. Um, I think the other thing here is provide him with answers. Right. And so, you know, I didn't always see that in Indianapolis that there were too many times that I'm watching where, he hits his plant step and there's some pressure already coming on him and there's really nothing to help him. Yep. As far as I agree. Ball. And so I agree I to be fair to this, him. I agree yeah. with you. So with yeah. this team, I think with JD McKissick with their, their, with Logan Thomas, whenever he gets, when he gets back, I think you're going to have some more of those, some more of those. They ha- he has more options here um, to get rid of the ball. I think you are also going to have more guys who can win them one-on-one matchups here compared to what he had. And I think that's going to be a big deal. So I think there's, you know, the funny thing is with, with Carson, I want to move on after this. The, the thing with him is I think it's not so much, is he an upgrade? It's going to be what level can he get back to Agreed. more so than anything else? Like he's a legitimate starting quarterback in the NFL. You know, he's put up really good numbers. He's just probably as he might be as analyzed as any quarterback has been the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, I guess, you know what, any quarterback these days is probably overanalyzed, but certainly he has been. And so really it's about what level can he get back to? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on, to be fair to him last year, one, he's on a new team again. Two, people forget this part. He suffered a, a foot injury early that some people thought might ruin his season. He played through it, right? And and third, Quentin Nelson wasn't playing early for them. Their offensive line early in the season was atrocious. Okay. So on some of the early losses, I don't put it on him at all. In fact, I was watching those go, and this guy had no help. And I also agree with you that, you know, Jonathan Taylor's amazing. But yeah. on the whole, their skill set people, I'll take this group over that skill set people outside of the running back any day of the week. And I oh. do think that's going to help them. So the other big open question really is, um, you know, is this O-line going to protect him well? And well, I think that that's an open sense. question here. So what's your, like, then will, 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 this, will this be a good line because you lost Sheriff? You lose, you cut Eric Flowers. Is this line, is that a concern for you going into the, going into I camp? Don't, 
I don't think on paper they're better. I mean, I don't know how you make a case that they're oh, better. They're not, you, you know, like, you know, um, Cosme coming back and hopefully being healthy now in a second year, I hopefully, you know, hopefully he settles into becoming a productive right tackle. Um, there's no chance they're better at right guard. I mean, he's an all world player. That's not there. Right. But I do think that they have options there with the veterans they brought in and potentially Schweitzer, if he's not the center early because of an injury to Roulier. And listen, I like Charles Leonard. They all do, but like, he's not paid like a top tackle because he's not. So right. this is an interesting group. You know, I will go, I will lean back on and I, I think this is fair. And especially after last year with all of the injuries on the offensive line where they're down to a fourth center and all that stuff. Clearly yeah. Matsko knows what he's doing. And if there's best, anyone best who's going to, you know, turn a, what is, you know, on paper looks to be like a run of the mill offensive line in the one that works. I, I, I will believe it's him because he's proven it two years in a row. And so I hope that that's the case, but this does feel like when they do spend some money next off season, it may go back into the offensive line. For oh, sure. I, I, I think it, or money or draft draft yeah. capital, yeah. you know, the higher draft capital with that, especially in the interior. And I like, I'm a big Schweitzer guy is a run blocker as a pass protection, eh. but I like I still like their depth. I think a guy that really needs to show more is Sadiq Charles. Agreed. And if they can, because he's got the ability, if he could become a starter, to be a quality starter, but he's got to stay healthy and he's got to show it. So, but I like their depth. Yeah, with you, to me, I don't, I wouldn't call it a concern, but I think there's a question with them going into camp and they, I agree. They've got to show more. Will this be a top 10 D, do you think? Uh, I think they have a really good shot at it. Um, in the same way that last year at this time, my feeling was there's no chance they'll be ranked as high as they were in 2020, but they might be as effective because of the schedule they're playing and the quarterbacks right. that they're playing. I would, you know, say this time around, I look at their schedule. It's not nearly as formidable or doesn't feel that way for sure. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'd say why not? You know, mainly because your opposition does matter when you talk about this. Are they going to be a top five defense, like a legitimate top five defense? Uh, tell me how Cole Holcomb plays in the middle and let me know if the corners hold up, you know, as constructed and do they get the output that they're looking for from the safety position? If all of those questions get answered in the positive, then I think they are definitively a top 10 defense and maybe higher. And if there are some weaknesses, as I think you and I probably agree, there likely is at some of these positions then they might be top 10 based on some of the opposition that they're playing. Right. And my concern is the back seven, the depth at corner, big time yeah. questions there. Um, and I think with Cole Holcomb, can he be, I think he can be a good linebacker. Can he be the linebacker they need? And the linebacker they need is the guy who can not only make the adjustments, relay that to Jamin Davis, and then, and then boom, you're in position to make the play. The guy that you're going to be broadcasting with, London Fletcher, was phenomenal with that. He right. could make the call and then go react right now. It's, you know, can you make the call? Can you say, hey, Jamin, why, you, you know, there's a motion. You got C-gap. You got C-gap, whatever. And then, boom, ball snapped. You're going right where you need to go. Or are you pausing to, to get yeah. there? So you need that. That's what he has to be to be effective in this defense. And for this defense to be, to get to a top five level, because they need someone that, you know, Jamin's going to be going to be have to um, he's going to need that guy there with him. And if he can get that, then maybe you get the max out of Jamin Davis, too. 
What about for um, Chase Young and Montez Sweat? Do you think Chase will have a bounce back year? Uh, well, I need to hear Ron Rivera tell me on day one of camp when he expects him to practice again. So I think right. that that's, that's number one. You know, I don't know, you know, right now, and but, you know, my gut tells me he's not playing week one. But, you know. My guess I mean, is it'll be mid-September at the earliest. That's what I think. I think I, my gut says hopefully week two or three. How they place him, like if he's on a pup list or whatever it is early, will give you a hint of what they're thinking about his recovery. I don't think it's a guarantee he plays week one. So I think it's very hard to put any kind of prediction on him until we see him, talk to him, hear from the trainers or Rivera or whoever's going to speak to us about it and get a real sense about when he's coming back. But I'm, you know, I, I'd love to see him play Jacksonville. I just have a hard time feeling like that's going to happen. And but he will be back at some point. He will be. And it sounds so, like early in the right, season. It sounds right. like, early. like I said, my yeah. sense would be mid September or at, at the yeah. earliest, but when he gets back, He's going to be coming back at some point at full strength. Do you expect to see the guy that we thought we were going to see last year? I, I, I hate to put pressure on him because he's coming off something serious physically. And so I want to be fair to him okay. that, um, that I think like, you let's give him, him, yeah, let me give him, let, let me see what he looks like physically, you know, before I really put that on him. Well, he's always going to look good physically, just coming off the, coming off the bus. You know what I mean? Great. You know what but I yes, mean? Yes. I, yeah. For me, it's as much a mental thing for him as it is. Physical. I agree. From that perspective, I do think, and I will, you know, hear Rivera out that they've had a heart to heart, and they've had that a few they, of them. They've had a few of them, and that he is more buying into the concepts the team is pushing on him than the ones that he has been following from outside influences. I do believe the guy wants to win. I do believe he's a really hard worker. I do believe he likes playing here. I do believe he wants to be good. So all of those things like add up to, you know, when, you know, when it clicks that they're on the same page, that we'll be fine. He's an elite level athlete. I just, you know, I just want to be careful putting any pressure on somebody coming off the type of injury he had. And now knowing that both knees were involved in the, you know, reconstruction of everything, I just don't want to put, you know, like, well, he's back and now he's going to have a three sack game. I don't, I don't think that's fair to him. So I want to just you know, be careful with that. I, I agree with you. So I'm only going to say 20 sacks in <laughs> 10 games. Now I'm not going to go crazy <laughs> on that. I do think, cause like I said, I think for him, if we see early on the approach he's taking will tell us a lot. I it agree. may not result in big plays early on, but if the approach is the right way, you're going to see it in the second half of that year. Yep. You know, and so like that to me is what will be very telling with him. What about Montez Sweat? Is he gonna is double digit sacks for him finally? Yes. Uh I think that well, he I don't think he's gonna have much of an excuse. He's gonna be, you know, if this plays out the way we think it's gonna play out, they're gonna be relying on him to be the playmaker off the edge until Chase Young is healthy again to either play or contribute to the level that they expect him to play. I mean, would you be shocked even when Chase comes back that they put him on a pitch count? They don't put him out there you know, for a full, you know, amount of, of snaps. I don't, you know, I don't know how they're going to handle that. We'll have to wait and see with Montez. This is year four of the five-year deal. Next year's the year he's supposed to get an extension. This is a career year for him. It's so big year for him. it's a big year for him. And honestly, off of last year, you know, where yes, he got injured, but not unlike Chase Young was not performing to the degree that they expected him, especially early in the season with some of the similar criticisms that Chase was receiving, but Chase gets more headlines for those criticisms. Um, I think this is a 
major, you need to lock in and have a huge bounce back here and show us why we're going to pay you what top tier edge rushers get. And so I think this is a massive year for him. It's a massive year for Holcomb. Um, but so from that perspective and from a motivation perspective, I expect Montez Sweat to have an enormous year, you know, short yeah. of injury. But but I, if he doesn't, I think it's very telling if he doesn't. There were a few games last year where I thought he had some really good rushes. They didn't result in, in sacks, but they were really good rushes. And again, if you have really good rushes consistently, you will do really well eventually. And I think, you know, so that's why I keep I keep I'm still on the Montez Sweat bandwagon as far as still thinking that he can break out at some point. Now, what does that breakout mean? Is it double digits? Could he get to 12 to 15? I don't know if he can get, I don't know that he'll get there. I do like how he and John Allen work together. The one thing that I hope they continue to do this year, and this is where, you know, last year, early in the year, first of all, I hope the coaching staff does a better job in those first four games than they've done the first couple of years. And that's in terms of using guys, et cetera. So that's one thing, but with, as far as the defense goes last year, Early on, they were relying on that four-man rush, especially on third downs. With, with Young and Sweat, they figured those four guys, they can get home. The, the coverage behind them was bad. They weren't getting home because the ball is getting out. But even when the ball wasn't getting out, they weren't getting enough pressure. And then when Sweat and Young were hurt and Smith-Williams and Tuhill go in, they started sending more blitzes on third downs. And it was more effective. So I'd like to see that continue to put, like, Watch Dallas, what they were doing with Micah Parsons and Gregory and Lawrence. They were moving guys around and being aggressive despite having that kind of pass rush talent. And I'd like to see that continue here on third downs, that with to put sweat and then young when he gets back into prime spots to make some of those big plays. That's what I want to see. I honestly believe like just watching defense around the league that you kind of have no choice but to force the issue. The rules are so like rigged in the favor of the offensive players you can't touch receivers anymore like you've got to force the issue if you allow any quarterback of any merit to stand back in a pocket they're going to kill you so and there, i think there's a preponderance of very good wide receiver talent out there in the league right now to me it, it makes no sense not to be hyper aggressive even if you do have a lot of money and assets invested in this defensive line so i agree with you I, I i'm hoping to see a more aggressive jack del rio unit this year yeah consistently i think you know i i really because i think that'll make a difference it made a the pass rush did a nice job without those guys and it wasn't because four-man rushes because they had to be more creative and and aggressive and that better continue because it just puts your prime guys in better spots, I think. And I know it leaves a secondary vulnerable, but the secondary held up. And I also think it goes back to the quarterbacks that this team is facing. It's, they're going to be facing lesser quarterbacks. Take advantage of some of that. And so I think if they do that, I think they'll, I think that not only can Sweat have a big year, but then, then you are looking at a top 10 defense. Um, Antonio Gibson, could he get to 1,200 yards rushing? Ooh, um, I think they're, I don't think he's going to get as many carries as he got a year ago, or That's at least true. I don't, I think the plan is not to have him get that many carries. I will say, you know, and you noticed this too, during OTAs, he's really reshaped his body. I mean, he yeah. looks, he looks great. Um, he really looks locked in, you know, again, like not unlike what you say about sweat and, and Holcomb is a big year for him too. I mean, he's quickly coming up on a contract situation too. So he's going to have to continue to progress. I think they did the right thing by drafting a running back that I think they intend to play behind him, especially in short yarded situations, hopefully as someone who they'll rely upon to 
take a series away from Gibson to give him a rest. I thought way too much of the load was put on Gibson a year ago. Um, I do think with, if with Curtis Samuel back, hopefully healthy, that there's an opportunity to use some of that position versatility that Gibson showcased in college that I know they've talked about using for a couple of years. So I don't think so to answer your question. Like, I think that's a big number and I don't think, I really, I think if all goes to plan, he won't get enough carries to get to well, that. that not that he won't, not that he right. won't have a good, you know, rush average or have a really effective year, but that's a big number to get to if you're going to split more time with people. And I, and I, what I'd like to see more so than the yards is the yards per carry. That's where I want to see because one thing that he has worked on, he worked on it last offseason too, but again this offseason, but he combined that with reshaping his body, lost lost a little bit of weight, um, less body fat. He felt like, you know, he felt and the coaches felt he was more explosive in the spring. There's a lot, you know, with Robinson coming in, you think that, you know, it does not, trust me, it does not lessen their enthusiasm for what they saw out of Gibson this spring from a potential explosive standpoint. And that's what I'm curious to see as much as anything. He may not get to 1,200. I think that would be a great year for him because you do have that other back and you are going to throw the ball more. I think that's going to be dependent on, uh, you know, you're going to have Curtis Samuel healthy, Logan Thomas and J.D. McKissick and Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson and the occasional Deami Brown or Cam Sim sighting. So there's a lot of past talent there. Will he get those chances? Um, but I think, I guess my thing with two, I am expecting a really good year for him. Yeah. Uh, here's one I could give you that I think is an expectation for him. And just looking at just kind of the landscape and thinking about the landscape of the NFC, I think he could be a pro bowler. Like That's I, the I think, thing, right. I think that could definitively happen yeah. for him this year. Yeah. Um, I, you know, if Zeke isn't going to be Zeke and Philadelphia is going to switch up running backs and Hertz is going to be running the ball a ton and Saquon's not Saquon. Well, name the running backs in the NFC that are like big time standout outside of Dalvin Cook, Aaron Jones. Kamara is going to get suspended. He's not going to be a pro bowler this year, right? Like San Francisco uses 50 running backs. Seattle's going to have a bad offense. The Rams are a pass first team, really. I mean, like, I think there's a lot of room here. And Leonard Fournette apparently is 260 pounds. So, like, so I would say I, I, this for Gibson. If he has a really good year. I'll be the first, like we did mid-season last year with Allen, where I went, I hope the world starts taking notice this guy's a Pro Bowl running back. And I, I think that's that's a possibility for him. Right, I, I agree with that. Um, last one, expectation with Jahan Dotson. I, I don't even know what a number I would put on there. Are we looking at 750 yards, or is that too much, too little? What do you think? Uh, oh, I think he's going to play a prominent yeah. role. You know what I think will be interesting? After seeing him in the spring, and it's the word is out how smooth he is. I'll never forget this. And I thought it was like one of the smartest things that Jay Gruden did as head coach. When they drafted Terry McLaurin, it was so obvious to them in practice that like he totally got it from day one that they didn't play him in the preseason. And I remember sitting there going, oh, my God, like they know. And the first game against Philadelphia, it was like, surprise, this guy's a stud. And he had an incredible first game. And, you know, the secret's out at that point. There's this part of me that feels like, don't show anybody what Jahan's doing because why? Why show people what he's doing? So I'm that optimistic about him. That said, at the same time, new quarterback, new offense, new everything. The idea of hiding him feels a little. He's also a I don't first know. round pick. It's hard to hide a first round pick. I agree. But like, I do feel like what's the point of showing it? I saw enough in the OTAs and have seen enough in general to go. 
Um, this guy looks like he's got the goods. So, yeah. you know, no, I, I, I have a, I couldn't put a number on it. Right. And I, and, and I, well, I would just say, I think he's going to have a good year because based on what we saw, based on what you see in college, I think there's a savviness to his game and there's a maturity to his game in addition to his ability to make big catches and he plays bigger. And I only got about a minute. So like with Carson Wentz, you need guys who play bigger. He does. And, you know, he's not a big guy, but he plays bigger than his size. And that will help. And I think he's going to take some pressure off McLaurin. You watch some of those games last year, seeing two guys run at him or slide to him, et cetera. So I think he's going to, I think he's going to be a big help and turn out to be a good pick. But Bram, that's all we got. I can't wait to get started and look forward to seeing you out in Ashburn on some of those 90 degree mornings. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right. I'll see you next week. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Brant for joining me and thank you as always for listening. I'll be back with another episode on Monday as we get even closer to training camp. Talk to you next time.